Hello, fellow listeners. Welcome to Food for Thought, where we aspire you to think and feed you knowledge that can be applied to your everyday life. I'm your host, Juan Cruz, and today we're just going to kickstart this podcast right off. So before we do, it's just don't forget to rate, share, and subscribe the podcast. The best way to be able to help is to be able to rate the podcast because it allows other people to see that it's something that helps you, the listener, and that it could help them. And on top of that, it helps beat big tech algorithm. Also share the podcast because if it's helped you, well, it could also help other people. And don't forget to subscribe to get notifications of all the new podcasts that drop. So um, I don't always know how these podcasts will drop. I try to do them on a week at a weekly basis, but it's difficult, obviously, having seven children. I put priority in my life, right? So it's God, wife, children, work, then podcast. So kickstarting this podcast off. This one is a little bit difficult, and maybe some of you who are listening to this podcast might find this difficult because it has to do with suffering. Now, Truth be told, this suffering is the most inevitable thing in the world, right? It, it's usually the, the inevitable that you'll never be able to stop is death and suffering. And in some way, they're clinged a little bit together because to have the death of the being, right? The ontic death, the death of the, of, of the who you are, in, kind of in some ways brings suffering and this is difficult. So you have the physical suffering and then also, I guess you could call it the metaphorical suffering. And right now we're in a scenario in our society where we try to avoid suffering as much as possible. And I, I think this is very dumb, especially because suffering is built into the structure of our lives. It's, it's something that's inevitable. No matter what you do, no matter where you go, there's always going to be some form of suffering, whether great or small. And this is something that we, we lie to our children about constantly. Maybe not everybody, but, you know, when, when, when we, we sit there and, and we tell our children, no, you know, uh, there's no such bad things or... I think it's very important that we begin to explain to our children the bad or or the evil in some way, small shape or form, right? No matter how small it may be that there is people out there that can steal you, son, daughter, whatever it may be. There is people that can pick you up so you can't run off into the streets. These are conversations that we lack or dis- or don't want to have with our children, because in some ways, we don't want them to see the evil for what it is. And these little moments where these little sufferings, these little uh, protecting them from these these things are, are the very things that could also kill our, 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 our children in the long run. And, you know, it's interesting. There's this movie Encanto that just came out. If you haven't seen it, it's a great movie. But Encanto... There's this uncle called Bruno and his gift, right? Because everybody in the family has a gift. And if you watch the movie, you see that Bruno gets the gift of prophecy. And when he gets his gift of prophecy, what he does is he can more or less tell everybody what's going to happen to them. 
And if you watch the movie, what he tells everybody is the truth. He doesn't tell them anything that's like, oh my God, it's out of the ordinary. One lady says, you know, he told me my fish would die and the next day, dead. Another guy, he says, you know, uh, he told me I'd grow a gut. And just like he said, boom, it happened. And then for the last one, he says, you know, he told me that all my hair would leave me. And, and he says, now, now look at my hair. It's all gone. I mean, and this is what, what Uncle Bruno says is not anything difficult or, uh, I mean, well, it is difficult to accept, but because, I mean, how long does a fish live, really? I mean, of course, anybody could tell you your fish is going to die. It's, it's, it's an inevitable truth, right? It's, it's not like if somebody were to tell you, oh, tomorrow your uncle dies, right? Because the average human being lives for 75 years, but a fish lives for just maybe a year max, right? Depending on what kind of fish it is. But if it's a small fish, it's, it doesn't have a long lifespan. I mean, to say that he told me I'd grow a gut, I mean, as age uh, continues on in our lives, right? Eventually, you're bound to get heavier. It's it's hard to to stay at such a low weight, right? And more than likely, a man is going to lose his hair, or even women do. I mean, this is inevitable truth. So what Bruno does is he just tells people their truths, and it becomes so unbearable for the whole city, for the family especially, right? Because usually the family is hearing these truths up front, and what. What happens is, is that Bruno, in some ways, he feels the hatred off of everybody and he runs away. So this is sometimes kind of us. Like we, we're always willing, we always tell people, I want to hear the truth. I want to hear the truth. But truth is, we don't really want to hear the truth, right? We want somebody to exalt us, to give us praise and to glorify us at every moment. But the truth is, is that we're all pieces of garbage, I mean, this is the, the absolute truth. And, and the sooner you accept, we, we accept this, right, as a truth, the sooner we begin to work towards the bettering of our lives. So what does this have to do with suffering, you might say to yourself? Really, the truth is, is that suffering is built into the structure of our lives. It's part of our society. It's there. It's inevitable. It's bound to happen. So to tell your kid that suffering doesn't exist, doesn't exist, or that evil doesn't exist, you're, you're telling him a lie. We tell our children's lies. We tell our friends lies. You know, no, things will get better. No things. I mean, we, we give hopeless dreams, right? And this is a difficult and, and a very dangerous thing to do. It's interesting because in, in the Bible, there's this one moment where Jesus says, the son of man won't be lifted until his hour has come until like, like, um, like Moses, when he lifted the bronze serpent in the desert, right? More or less, it says something like this. And the, the important thing about this is that, you know, when the Israelites are walking around the desert, they, they, they go to the desert because they were enslaved in Egypt, right, by Pharaoh. And eventually God comes and frees them out of Egypt and pulls them away from all the slavery, and which no other God that they had prayed to back in the, in the time of the Egyptians, right, the Israelites were the people or the Hebrews that were enslaved. So when you hear me say Israelites, 
understand that that's what I'm saying. So the Israelites get freed from God and they had prayed, right? The Egyptians had prayed to all their gods, but the Hebrews believed in one God. So this one God that they believed in comes and saves them, pulls them out, brings them into the desert. And now they're walking around for 40 years in the desert. So eventually they don't see this God and they say, we want to see our God. So they make a golden calf and they begin to pray to this God. Now, God, in his rightful way, gets jealous. So he takes all these, tells these serpents, he allows these serpents to come out from the sand in the desert, bites the Israelites, and they all get poisoned and begin to die. So then the Israelites get worried and then they say, well, God, you know, uh, Moses tell God to save us. So God tells Moses to make a bronze serpent, to put it on a mastiff and put this pole at the center of the city, right? Like a flagpole so that everybody can look up at this flagpole to see it as the epitome of something. So everybody who looks at or everyone who is bitten by a snake, these poisonous snakes, right? Whoever looks at this bronze serpent will live. So you think to yourself, okay, what does that have to do with anything? That makes no sense. And there's actually a lot of deep meaning behind this this story. Because in essence, what it says is, well, first of all, most of the problems that happen in our life, I'm not saying all of them, and I'm not being absolute about this. I'm saying most of the problems that happen in our lives, they're a cause of our own demise, right? We created our own suffering. We're the, we're the reason why we're in the scenarios that we find ourselves in. So, and just like the Israelites, the reason why they got bit in the first place is because they decided to idolize other gods. So it was their own fault that God allowed these serpents to come out. So it's to say the very thing that kills you, that probably is your fault anyways, Stare at it, look at it. Instead of, instead of avoiding it, which it's an inevitable truth that it's like a train wreck that's coming behind you, that's it's bound to crash. Stop avoiding it. Face this thing, look at it head on, because the only way that you can find life is by facing it head on, by looking at this problem, not by avoiding it. And And this is what what's what's beginning to happen in our society because remember in order for christ to be able to save right the christians or those who are going to become christians he must enter into the very thing that makes him suffer right the cross represents suffering in christianity in order for him to find life he must die he must face his suffering in order to resurrect in order to find life I mean, and this is this is all of us right now is we we try to avoid it. I mean, this is what happens in Harry Potter. For those of you who have seen the movie that Harry Potter, you know, they always say he whose name shall not be mentioned, which is Voldemort, right? He's the evil. He's the personification of evil inside of the movie of Harry Potter. And in Voldemort, what he does is he gains his power by creeping in the shadows the more that everybody doesn't want to talk about him the more he can work in the in these dark shadows 
So in secrecy, instead of people seeing him for what he is and saying his name and speaking about him and confronting this truth, what do they do? They say, don't mention him. Let's not even talk about him. So he can, con- he can conjure up all these plans in front of everybody's face and nobody does absolutely nothing about it. And, and this is so important that we learn to face our suffering. We learn to confront this truth. We speak about it. You know, in, in psychology, there's something called exposure therapy. And what they do is they begin whatever you have a phobia of, let, let's say uh, tarantulas. So you have arachnophobia, which is the fear of spiders. What they do is first they sit you down for a session and they put a picture of a spider. Let's say it's just a little sketch, a little stick figure sketch. And the person begins to freak out because they have such a fear of spiders and it's off in the distance. And then eventually they get a picture of a real spider, right? Because what eventually will happen is, is that after staring at this spider for so long, for so many hours, for so many days, after so many sessions, you get numb to that stick figure spider. So once you become numb to it and you've desensitized yourself from this fear, then they say, okay, now we're going to bring in a picture of a real spider. And then again, the fear kicks in. And then after staring at it for so long, you begin to get desensitized because you see that the very thing that you've been scared of for so long is not as potent or as powerful as you thought it was. So after a while, then they say, okay, after so many sessions and so many hours of so many therapy, then they, they see that you begin to get desensitized and you begin to deal with this and, and, and you see that it, it, you have no more fear of a picture of a spider Then they bring in a real spider. And then again, the phobia kicks back in. But eventually, like every other session, with every other level that they've begun to kind of up the ante a little bit, let's say, now everything begins to get desensitized with the real spider. So after so many long and so many sessions, eventually you have your hand, the person has their hand inside of a cage with the spider and the spider's crawling all over them and they see that they don't die and eventually they lose this fear of spiders. And this is exactly how it happens with us. Sometimes we think that this very thing that kills us, we can't stand it, we can't face it and we need to just walk away from it. Don't run away from the suffering that you have. Face it. Because once you face this suffering, you'll realize that this is what makes you the strongest person that you will be. This is what makes you the best human being that you'll ever be. This is what gives you strength. Because the problem is, is that we we speak about these things and then we just let it go and run away from them. We, we we live the scenario and then we never want to talk about it again. So it's either in, either you can interpret it in a good way where it makes sense and it gives meaning to your life or somebody else interprets it for you. Now, in my eyes, that's the devil. I believe this, right? This is the story of Adam and Eve. God tells them, don't eat from the fruit of the tree in, in the Garden of Eden. And what does the devil do? If you read the scriptures in the beginning, it's within, I think it's in chapter three, 
Read very closely the scriptures, chapter 2, chapter 3. Read very closely the scriptures in the book of Genesis. God says exactly what needs to be done. No ands, ifs, or buts. It's very black and white what needs to be done. But who comes and interprets it? The devil interprets what God has put as truth. Now the devil, which they call him the Lord of lies, begins to take this truth and he, and he uses the truth to bend it in a whole different way. To give a different perspective, to see the bad in everything. So this is, this is very, uh, I mean, he takes this and, and bends this truth into a lie. So I, I encourage you, face the very thing that kills you. This is something that used to kill me constantly when I was younger was the fact that I had faced abuse from babysitters. And now after facing this fear, right, which I had blocked out for so many years, if, if you find yourself that you're sitting in a car and you can never sit in a car with the sound off and in silence, the music turned down or off completely, or you can't be in a house by yourself, because in some ways it kills you, it bugs you to be alone because the solitude is, is just, uh, I mean, it irritates you. Find these moments. Because I, I was telling a young, a young man the other day, everything that we do in our lives, everything is, is putting thoughts in your head constantly. Music, uh, whether you listen to, a, to, to movies, television shows, right, radio, whatever it may be, everything is putting thoughts in our head. Sometimes it's good to, to go to nature, where you can sit down in nature and let it all point to you. Because nature, everything is constantly giving itself for you, for us, right? The sun is, is, is at a constant dying point. Right, the leaves, the air, uh, the water—it's—it's—it's it's, it's all for you. You can drink this water; it's there for you. The leaves and, and the trees and the branches, everything, right? Taking our carbon dioxide and they put out oxygen, and then we take and eat these plants and eat these vegetables. So everything is constantly pointing to you. So when you want to take time to think about things, step away from the phone, leave the phone at home, leave the step away from the car, step away from absolutely everything and go into a place where there's nature, where it's all pointing to you and it's all allows you to look at yourself. I think this is a very good thing from from an outward sign towards an inward uh, correction, I believe. So. Take these, take those moments where, where you're not distracted and face the very things that's, that make you suffer. Confront these things. Learn to reconcile with the people that maybe have caused suffering in your life. Don't run away from this because everything that we do in our lives is based off of these things that happened when we were a child or, or things that have impacted our lives and left the mark that is so inevitable. Right, abuses from a husband, uh, wives or husband that have cheated, deaths of children, um, abortions, 
depressions, uh, suicidal parents, suicidal brothers and sisters. I don't know what suffering you find yourself in, whether it's big or small. Whatever your suffering is, there's a suffering in your life. Maybe you found that they loved always your brother over you, or at least this is what you think. Confront these sufferings. Because if you don't, guess what? These sufferings are what made you you. And if you have taken this in a bad way, well, then you've been living your life through hell. Everything has been seen as black your whole life. Every decision that you make has formed your conscience, believe it or not. Everything that has happened, better said, I'm sorry. Everything that has happened has been because of this marking in your life. Why do you think psychologists, when they sit down and speak, eventually they want to go back to the childhood? Because really, within the first few years of your life, your conscience, your, your moral character, everything is formed. So everything is based off of decisions that you, how you were formed when in your first years. And in big, traumatic situations, difficult moments, they also form every decision. Why do you think that when uh, women get cheated on, they, they have this hatred towards men or they, they don't trust men ever again or men who get cheated on by their wives never want to get married and they think that all women are just there to be used or I don't know, uh, um, young boys, whether it be Hispanic or black young boys that live in the ghetto, right? They get um, treated badly by cops because of racism. Then they go to a city where there is no racist cops and then they believe that every cop's a racist. Because every traumatic experience forms and your conscious, it forms who you are, it forms the character, it forms every, every decision that you make, whether you know it or not, subconsciously, it all comes down to that one moment in your life. All the sufferings of our life form us. But these very same sufferings can make us some strong-willed human beings. You can go through some massive difficulties in life. You know, it's, it's interesting because it's never good to compare with somebody because sometimes the reason why certain people can persevere, persevere through so much adversity in their lives is because of the traumatic experiences that they've gone through. Look at some of these, you know, it's interesting when you hear about like uh, Kevin Hart, right? Or... I don't know, just many celebrities. We, I mean, many of us have seen documentaries and what difficult scenarios they went through, what poverty, you know, what suffering they went through that made them so strong-willed. This is us. The problem is, is that these people confronted their sufferings and they decided to give the interpretation to that suffering. Interpret your own suffering Look at it for the truth that it is. The truth is, we all suffer. The truth is, we all have a difficulty in our life. Let's not run away from suffering. Let's not teach our children to run away from suffering. Let's teach our children to confront the suffering. I had said a, uh, maybe a podcast or two back, 
you know, it, it says the saying says something like this, you know, uh, bad times make strong men and strong men make good times. Good times make easy men and easy men make bad times. The question is, where do you find yourself in that category? I think it's best that you're the person going through bad times to become a strong man because you can make good times. And then we allow our children to confront the bad times so that we can make them strong men so that they may have good times. Teach our children the best thing. That's the most important thing that we teach our children and we learn to live it ourselves. Learn to confront the suffering in your life. Face the serpent. Look at it dead in the eyes and see that it doesn't kill you. It only makes you stronger. Don't forget to rate, share, and subscribe. Food for thought. God bless.